Good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna. Alongside me, as usual, CFP Allison DeBrill. Together, we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then this is your forum to discuss. We'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our clients' interest ahead of our own in any business dealing. And that's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. So by design, we can't work with everyone. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. or every other Saturday in the morning before noon time as a rebroadcast. And that's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area as we can achieve your measure of financial success. Because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. It's a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. You have to dedicate yourself to the process. We are here to help. You got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone, give us a call, 627-7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, with the economy, uh, insurance products like life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, TSPs, 403Bs, 457s, IRAs, Roth IRAs, uh, mortgage options, Social Security strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella personal finance we're here to discuss tonight. 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. Uh, we always try to keep this show very planning focused and very timely or topical. And it seems like everybody I know has a kid or a grandchild or a friend or someone who's launching off to college this week or over the next couple of weeks. So some some of us have more than one. Launching. More than one. And I think most people are happy about this. Probably you are. <laughs> are you going to be an empty nester again? Uh, temporarily so, okay. yes, for a few months uh, until they all come crawling back home with <laughs> loads of laundry and uh, hungry bellies. Yeah, there you go. So as kids are launching off to college, we thought we would revisit some college funding strategies. And over the past couple months, we have talked about this a few times, but from different perspectives. We've certainly covered the cost of college and the challenges that that creates. And we've talked a lot about saving for college. So what are the right savings vehicles and how do you get started saving early? But what if you find yourself launching your student right now and maybe you don't have enough set aside to fund 
a full college education. We want to talk about some of those options tonight. And statistically speaking, I was, I guess, not surprised, but sometimes statistics always um, jump out at me. I was reading that only 43% of parents even own a 529 savings account, and even much fewer, only 7% of parents own a custodial account or a a minor's investment account, and only 6% own a Coverdell education savings account. So chances are, if you have a student launching to college, you might not have any or enough college savings. Yeah, kind of the main funding vehicles um, are a 529 plan, um, which are administered uh, individually by each state, um, or a custodial account, uh, also known as an UGMA or an UTMA account, uh, and the um, very rarely used Coverdell Education um, account, which used to be called like Educational ESA. IRA, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, or something like that, which makes no sense because uh, IRA stands for, or the R in IRA stands for retirement, you know, individual <laughs> retirement account. So uh, they renamed it the Coverdell Education Account. Um, each one has some benefits, but overwhelmingly, uh, the 529 plans have the most benefit for most people. And you should uh, take heart in knowing that. Uh, Virginia has one of the best uh, administered 529 plans in terms of ease of access, a good website to make it easy to administer the plan. Um, They have a great investment lineup so you can um, target in investment strategies that are appropriate for college funding. Um, And they also have some of the lowest costs around. So you don't have to think too hard about it if you're a Virginia resident on where to best save for college funding, or I should say any form of higher education. And that could include um, trade schools um, and the like as well. So uh, those can be used in 529 plans. That's usually your best starting point. Yeah, so let's start there with 529 plans. Even if you don't have all of your projected college expenses saved in a 529 plan, maybe you're in that 43% that has some saved in the 529 plan, or perhaps you're a grandparent who has started a 529 plan for your grandchild. So parent-owned 529 plans don't impact Um, college funding as much as grandparent-owned. When I say funding, I should say loans and scholarship applications. So that's what um, they call grants or scholarships. They they lump loans all into that same category as grants and scholarships. Um, Financial aid, that's the word I was searching for is sometimes also including loans. So parents own 529 plans don't count as negatively on your FAFSA when you're applying for financial aid as a grandparent owned 529 plan. So if you have funds for your child in a 529 plan, you would want to use your parent owned 529 plan first and save the grandparent owned 529 plan for the later years. So if you wait and take a withdrawal from a grandparent owned 529 plan until 
after the final FAFSA application, then it's not going to negatively impact your student for future financial aid applications. Yeah, it's important to note that um, the 529 plans are all individually owned, owned by only one person. So that's either mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or Uncle Joe or Aunt Marie, but only one person can own a 529 plan. And then you list a beneficiary of that plan. And that is typically, so the owner is typically the parent or grandparent and the beneficiary is typically the child. Doesn't always have to work that way, especially if your child is in their 20s, they can actually own their own plan. But for most people, when you're starting out in college savings or saving for higher education, um, you you are going the parent is going to be the owner or grandparent, and you're going to list the child as the beneficiary, uh, and that's the structure that's going to be in place. They are not jointly owned. That comes as a shock to some people. And when funds come out of the 529, you get to enjoy tax-free earnings as long as the funds are used for qualified higher education expenses, which is really broadly defined. It covers almost anything, room, board, books, supplies, fees, all of that, tuition, obviously, all of that good stuff. So the money comes out of the plan tax-free, but again, a parent-owned 529 withdrawal not so impactful, but a grandparent-owned withdrawal can impact your financial aid application. So just something to be aware of. If you've already depleted your 529 account or you don't have one, then I guess the next most logical way to fund college expenses is cash flow. So maybe you're in your high-earning years and you've got your living expenses under control, maybe you're able to just pay out of pocket for these ongoing expenses one semester at a time. If so, it's still not a bad idea to run those expenses through the 529. Now, I don't think Virginia 529 would appreciate me saying that. It really is designed as a long-term savings vehicle, but you can make a deposit into your 529 plan to enjoy the state tax deduction. So Virginia 529 plans allow you to take up to a $4,000 per year state tax deduction, and that is per account for contributions made. Perfectly legal from a state income tax uh, code perspective. Um, so even if you have a child in school right now, in college right now, and you don't have a 529 plan, you could open it up right now, um, transfer money from a bank account into the four, 529 plan, uh, and then move the money from the 529 plan to the school and pay tuition. Uh, it doesn't have to sit there for any length of time. And by doing so, you can get up to $4,000 per account uh, per year of Virginia State income tax deductions just by doing the administration that way. So um, it is perfectly legal. There's nothing wrong with that. You have to jump through a few hoops, but you know the, the, the tax savings can be worth it. Yeah, so if you're funding college expenses out of cash flow, still make sure you open a 529 for each student and use that as your um, funding mechanism. All right, we're going to stop right here, take a short break for a few commercial messages. If you have a question about uh, college funding, but 
that we're talking about tonight or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, give us a call in studio, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zibna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, you can look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can also sign up to receive an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your information for, your name and address for, is just to send you the information that you request. All right, tonight we're talking about uh, college funding or higher education funding, uh, some of the mechanics and how to get that done, some of the best vehicles to use in order to start saving for one of the bigger expenses uh, over a financial planning life, uh, lifetime. Yes, so if you have a student that is ready to launch or launching to their college career right now, we want to cover some of the ways that you can pay for education, even if you don't have it all pre-saved in a 529 plan. But I did want to just pause for a moment and go through some of the basic mechanics of a 529 plan because we do think they are the best vehicle for saving for college expenses. So they have triple, triple tax advantages. You can take a state tax deduction in Virginia for any contributions that you made to an account. Like we were talking about before the break, Virginia offers a $4,000 per year state tax deduction per account. And you can carry that forward. If you're a grandparent contributing and you're over the age of 70, then you get to take the whole contribution as a deduction. You're not limited to 4000 also, once the money's in the 529, it will grow tax deferred. So hopefully you're starting early, you're investing it, and you're going to have years of earnings. Those will grow tax deferred. And then withdrawals are tax free if used for qualified higher education expenses, which is very broad tuition, fees, room, board, books, supplies, special needs, computers, equipment, and educational loan payments. That's one that people don't really know. You can use your 529 savings to make student loan payments. And um, another lesser prevalent use, I guess, less prevalent use is for K through 12 private school or any tuition um, you can use your 529 accounts for. So that's some of the, the key pros or key reasons why you would want to use a 529 plan for education savings. Yeah, they got uh, a lot of tax advantage uh, opportunities with the 529 plan. You got estate planning benefits, got a lot of control and flexibility over the setup of the account, the distribution of the account, the investment of the account. It's very accessible. There's no income limits on who can contribute to a 529 plan, unlike 
uh, Roth IRAs, so they're open to everyone. Um, also, no age limits on beneficiaries uh, as well, so that's also helpful. Um, and because they are state administrators, and some states, like Virginia, have done a really good job uh, in negotiating bargaining uh, power, um, they're also very affordable and low cost and great savings vehicles um, compared to other options. So, obviously, our number one choice for most people. But like we talked about before the break, if you don't have significant savings built up in a five to nine, what are your other options? The first most obvious is cash flow. So we talked about you can use your monthly income to fund college expenses. Still beneficial to run it through the 529 to get the tax benefits, even if you're just using regular cash flow. Another bucket or savings vehicle that can be used for college education is a regular old brokerage account. So maybe you have been saving into an investment account that's been growing over the years. You can certainly use funds from that account. They'd be taxed at any gains would be taxed at capital gains rates, but, but could be used to fund college education. And again, you could even still run that through the 529. I think that's the moral of, or the, the, tip of the day is to run everything through a 529 plan. <laughs> well, you, you got a Virginia state tax deduction just sitting out there waiting for you to take it. So mm -hmm. if, if you're going to spend the, send the money to the school anyway, send it via the 529 plan, get yourself a Virginia state income tax deduction. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's perfectly legal. And you know, a lot of the people we work with do have both a 529 and a brokerage account because college is, there's a lot of unknowns. If you're taking a newborn and trying to start planning, you have no idea if they're going to go to school, not go to school, public, private, um, trade school, using developing a skill. Um, there's just such a wide range of possibilities, and some people don't want to back themselves in a corner with fully funding a 529. Now, there is flexibility with a 529. You can transfer it to other children. Um, there are some circumstances where you can get the money out for other expenses without penalty. But a lot of our clients don't fully fund the 529. They also use brokerage savings to have some flexibility since it's not perfectly clear early on what the student may want to do. And I think I'll take this opportunity to offer one of our um, pro tips that we have learned through the year is that uh, through the years um, and that is even if you can afford to pay 100% of your child's higher education costs we recommend that you don't give your child some financial stake in their higher education uh, it serves a myriad of benefits it gives them a financial stake in their future it tends to focus their abilities uh, more so when they know that they are paying for a portion of uh, what they're getting um, and it's also one of the first lesson financial lessons real important financial lessons that most people learn in life uh, so let the child pay for some portion whether that's through scholarships loans um, uh, part-time jobs, summer jobs, saving up of birthday money through the years. Uh, give them a financial stake, make them pay for some of it. They will, uh, well, they won't be happy initially, but they will look back and thank you for that later because it will develop some very strong financial habits that will stay with them throughout the rest of their life. And if they screw it up, 
okay, then you can be there as a backstop. Better to screw it up when they're young, when you can clean it up, and the lessons learned from that then will serve them well for the rest of their life. So please, by all means, give your kids some financial stake in their higher education. Yes, well, my mom is listening to this right now, I know, so I, I, I feel bad uh, if I support that and I would be hypocritical, but yes, that is a good message and you can always bail them out if, uh, if you need to. Oh, okay, well, all right, so that explains it, so he's a lot when you get the a free ride. Right, yes, that's why there's crickets over here from this end. <laughs> right, okay, well, on that note, I think we have to uh, pause here for the news, um, so we will be back after the news and these messages. Uh, if you want to jump in on the conversation, uh, give us a call on the studio line, 627-7979. She's Allison, I'm Kevin, you're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790. WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill. I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, check us out online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. That's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. I want to remind everybody, our next show will be uh, actually in three weeks now due to the way the calendar falls. So our next show will be on Tuesday, September 14th. That's my daughter's birthday. So, mm. well, happy birthday, will. Sam. Happy birthday, Sam, when that happens, yes. Um, uh, six o'clock as usual, or you can catch the show as a rebroadcast on Saturday morning following the week of the show. So if you're listening on Saturday morning, it's not live. Don't call in. But for everyone listening on Tuesday evenings, we are live. And if you want to jump in on this conversation and talk about anything having to do with college funding or anything to do with your personal financial situation, we'd love to hear from you. 627-7979. Yes, before the break, Kevin, you were talking about giving your child a stake in their financial education and you're getting me in trouble because my mom's <laughs> listening to this and they're talking about setting me up on a payment plan now. <laughs> it's never too late to pay him back, Allison. I, I, I wholly support your family's need to recoup the money. <laughs> the that, investment. Plus, plus interest, okay. by the way. <laughs> For the French degree. <laughs> <laughs> for, for that French degree, which has come in so handy through yes. the years. <laughs> well, but in all seriousness, we are talking about how you can fund college education when the time comes, because most people don't have enough savings set aside to pay for 100% of the costs when they get to that point. It can sneak up on you. Um, so what do you do if you don't have it set aside in a 529? And we talked about funding it through cash flow, using brokerage account savings. But if that is not an option, then surprisingly, a lot of people will turn to their retirement savings nest next. 
In fact, two in five Americans are likely to use retirement funds to pay for children's education. And this is where we will draw the line and say that is most likely a mistake. Of course, there's not a one-size-fits-all recommendation. Um, Everything is you know, circumstantial, but taking money out of a retirement account to pay for college saving or college expenses will set you back exponentially. One dollar, every dollar used for college means several less available for retirement. In fact, for example, if you took $25,000 out of a retirement account, you'd have $80,000 less 20 years later. So it's a big deal. And the amount that you can put back into a retirement account is limited because there are annual contribution limits for Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, and 401ks. So you really need to think long and hard before you take money out of a retirement account. Yeah, and look, we we understand that that some families place an ultra-high premium on education for their children. And they are willing to give their children the best educational experience they can at the expense of their own financial health through retirement or later in life. And look, it's your money. You can always do with your money what you want to do. Um, and, and, And so it's understandable. However, we would really strongly caution against that because there are no scholarships for retirement. There are no loans for retirement. There's no work study for retirement. There are all those things for education. And and I certainly uh, can understand from a personal perspective, you know, at one time when we were trying to get the, you know, the, the kids off the family farm and into white collar jobs and give them a step up on the on a ladder, that made a lot of sense, you know, to, to give them that leg up. But nowadays with uh, funding mechanisms so prevalent, almost too prevalent, uh, for college, as well as the extraordinarily high cost of college, um, and the different paths that people can take to get a meaningful career that doesn't require college or may require non traditional educational environments, you don't have to mortgage the family farm to put your kids through private school and private college just to give them a leg up. Again, I know in some families that is the ultimate priority and you're going to do it regardless of what we say. But for most people, we would caution them to think long and hard about doing that. There's probably other and better solutions than simply paying a lot for the most expensive education. So let's talk just a little bit about the mechanics, and if you do have to go that route for whatever reason. If you take money out of your traditional IRA accounts, there's typically an early withdrawal penalty of 10% if you're under 59 and a half, but that penalty can be waived if you're using the withdrawal for college expenses. But it is taxed as ordinary income, so that's going to be a big inflow of ordinary income on your tax return, and then it also does impact um, financial aid applications for your student. So be very careful about that. Roth IRAs, Roth IRAs, you can take your contributions out tax and penalty-free anytime. So it may seem like a great 
college savings vehicle or a great bucket to pull from. But again, like I mentioned earlier, you're so limited on the money that you can get into your Roth IRA. You can only contribute six or seven thousand dollars a year. And if you earn too much, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. So there's really not a lot of opportunity to get that money back into the Roth IRA once you take it out. So again, please make it a last resort and really think it through before you touch either your 401k, IRA, or Roth IRA. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. doesn't mean it's in your best interest. Uh, a lot of these programs have that flexibility built into them, but rarely should you take advantage of it. So another I guess, uh, I don't want to call it an asset, another bucket you might have in your arsenal could be permanent life insurance. Now, permanent life insurance is often sold for a number of reasons, obviously for a, hopefully, first and foremost for a death benefit, but a lot of times insurance salesmen are touting other benefits to permanent or whole life insurance, such as college savings plans or retirement plans. Uh, We don't believe life insurance should be used as a savings vehicle. Savings should be directed to savings accounts and life insurance should be used for life insurance. However, if you find yourself in a position where you have a permanent life insurance policy that has significant cash value, you can withdraw or borrow against the cash value and you can use that money to pay for college. The money does come out tax-free, but it is going to reduce, oftentimes it will reduce the cash value, it may reduce the death benefit, and if it's a loan, you're going to be paying interest on that amount. So you need to make sure you understand it's not tax-free, free money. You're taking a loan and paying interest to the insurance company. Yeah, don't let anyone sell you whole life insurance with the idea that you're going to one day use it to fund your kid's education. That is a very inefficient use of your funds, and there are many more solutions that would be uh, that you'd be better off uh, directing your funds towards. Uh, if one thing we have learned through the years, if there is an objection to life insurance, the life insurance industry has developed uh, a system or a program to overcome that objection but uh, it, it for most people it is not the preferred method of saving for higher education yes we just we do come across a lot of people who already have these policies and and don't have a real true need for the policy anymore because they've done their financial planning properly and there's not a big need for a death benefit so it is an option if you're stuck with a policy but Like Kevin said, don't set out on that path on purpose. There are much better vehicles for that, like the 529 savings plan primarily. What about home equity? Ah, yes, home equity. Everyone loves to pay their homes off, so lots of people presumably have home equity (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yes, so in, um, in this environment, it's interesting we have people that are constantly asking us about paying off their home. So a lot of people have significant equity built up in their home from doing that or just from the appreciation of real estate prices that we've been experiencing lately. So it certainly is an asset that is illiquid, 
But a home equity line of credit is a way to essentially turn that into a liquid asset that you can use for whatever you want. And college expenses could be one of those uses. Uh, but the interest will not be tax deductible if it's used for um, higher education. Um, you Only the uh, loan money that you use towards home improvements is deductible from a home equity loan. But it, like Allison was saying, it's, it's a way of liquefying a relatively illiquid asset. And if there is no other savings, it is a source and it can help. Um, and, and in this interest rate environment, it's probably a pretty good uh, borrowing source. Um, just be careful though, home equity line of credits tend to be variable and they most likely will start to shift up uh, in the ensuing years um, given that we are at rock bottom interest rates right now. But right now, um, not a bad source if you need it. Yeah, I mean, really, in this interest rate environment, it's probably more economical than actual official student loans, which are going to mm -hmm. be at, you know, five, six, seven percent, mm -hmm. depending on the, the type of loan. So it could cost you way less. And especially if you can lock it in, you know, if you can do a home equity loan instead of a home equity line of credit, a home equity loan is often a fixed rate. And while you can't deduct the interest right now, you're probably you're I would almost say you're certainly able to get less than 5% on a home equity loan right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so we're talking about uh, college funding vehicles, pros and cons of each, um, some strategies, some suggestions to help you meet the high cost of higher post-secondary school education, whether that's college or um, trade school or some other sort of uh institution of higher learning past high school. If you want to jump in on the conversation, uh, give us a call on the studio line 627-7979, whether you want to talk about this or anything having to do with your own financial situation, we'd love to hear from you. She's Allison, I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, you can look us up online at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can also request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us at wealthwayadvisors.com or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in there, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we will get that information out to you later on this week. I want to remind everybody our next live show will be in three weeks on Tuesday, September 14th at 6 p.m. Uh, you might catch us on Saturday mornings as a rebroadcast or, hey, you know, the show is also a podcast. So wherever you get your podcast, search for Dollars and Common Sense, download us to your smartphone and take us with you wherever you go. 
Tonight we've been talking about college funding. If you've got a loved one, a child, grandchild that's um, leaving the nest, launching into their college career, and Woo! yes, <laughs> celebrating, but also maybe wondering how you're going to pay for this. <laughs> And if you don't have... Yes, it's a costly transition. Right, right. It's good and bad. If you don't have all of those um, pennies saved up for full college education, which I don't even know if you can get it in four years anymore. Isn't it more like five years is common? Uh, it's becoming more common. It shouldn't be. Ah. But uh, I think a way a lot of the schools, especially the large public universities, kind of make it difficult well, it, for kids to get through in four years nowadays, which means, you know, extra classes, extra room and board, extra money for the institution. So you got to watch out for that. Right, right. So if you're wondering how you're going to pay for that, we've talked a lot about 529 plans. They are probably the best vehicle, especially for everyone living in Virginia. We have a great 529 plan. So using that, um, of course, cash flow. Some of you may be in your higher earning years. You may have some wiggle room and be able to just fund normal expenses out of monthly cash flow, but run that through the 529, get those tax advantages. We also talked a lot about retirement accounts, how shockingly two in five people are likely to raid their nest egg, their retirement nest egg to pay for college. And we talked- That's 40%, by the way, 40%. <laughs> We talked all about why that is not a good idea. There are no loans. There's no financial aid for retirement, but there are lots of creative things you can do to fund college education. So let's talk a little bit about that because financial aid is a big buzzword. Everyone thinks, oh, well, there's financial aid. Well, financial aid means a lot of things, but most often it usually means loans. So don't get your hopes up too high. Of course, there are grants and scholarships that are free gifts that don't have to be repaid. Um, grants are needs-based. So grants are usually given to those that don't have significant income or savings to be able to afford college. And then scholarships are merit-based. So you you know, you do good in school. I, it's just getting crazy these days, though. I mean, when I, I'm now sounding old because <laughs> when I went to school, um, you Back know, in my day. right, like a 4.0 was now it's like you, a 4.0 is nothing. You have to get more than a 4.0. I, I still don't really understand don't how either. you get more than a 4.0. It, it, you know, it's, I, but they're doing it. And now it's, it's like getting over 100%. I mean, you, 100% is 100%. You can't get more than that. I, I think it has to do with AP courses, actually. Yes, so yes. I kind of know. But, you know, that that does exist, and it's not enough to be mediocre anymore. Competition is high to get into college. So to get a merit-based scholarship, you do have to be outstanding. And just throw this little uh, tidbit out there, I think it's like less than 1% of students get athletic scholarships. So I know every parent thinks their child's getting an <laughs> athletic scholarship, but statistically speaking, they're not. 
And I guess I will speak as a parent who has a child who is getting a partial athletic scholarship in field hockey. Uh, I will tell you that in all probability, you will spend every bit as much in training camps mm. and travel teams and equipment and individual coaching uh, in order to earn that scholarship in what you will get back. Uh, unless your kid is an athletic freak of nature, which you're probably looking at 0.1% there mm -hmm. of the population, um, most people are going to invest so much money in getting their child to that point uh, that it's going to be a wash at the end of the day if you look over over the entirety of, uh, of their ac athletic and academic career. Mm -hmm. Good point. So there are some other ways if you really do your homework, you can do a lot of research. You can find charitable foundations, um, religious or community organizations, local businesses, um, employers maybe, some civic groups, professional associations. These are all ideas. These are all places you might be able to find a grant and scholarship, but your students has to take the initiative, has to seek them out, and then go through the application process. And so that's something where the parent and hopefully the guidance counselor is really educating the student so that they can find those opportunities and take advantage of them. Then, of course, loans. So there are federal student loans, federal parent loans, and then private parent loans, just a, a rule of thumb when it comes to student loans. We typically, and with any rule of thumb, it's not you know one size fits all, but we typically recommend minimizing your student loan uh, load to not be more than what you think you can earn your first year out of college. So if you think you can, you're studying, I don't know, an example, um, engineering. They probably earn like $100,000 or more per year right out of college, maybe. Um, then you would want to make sure that you limit your student loan debt to $100,000 or less. That way it's not going to be crushing as you launch into adulthood and you find out how expensive real life is. <laughs> yeah, and here's a good uh, aspect of where people can give their kids a financial stake in their higher education because everyone, regardless of income, as long as you fill out the FAFSA uh, financial aid form, and again, regardless of income, um, your kids will qualify for federal unsubsidized student loans of a reasonable amount so it typically graduates uh, with each year like it's I think it's 5,500 their freshman year 6,500 their sophomore year 7,500 their junior and senior year. so you add it all up it's about $27,000 of student loan debt that is in the name of your child that they have to pay back beginning six months after they graduate so that is a very reasonable debt load in today's society and economy for most people to take on and if you if you work with them through the process and you show them where the money comes from and you teach them what a loan is all about and they feel the pain of stroking that first loan check six months after they graduate instead of going to the bar with their friends and drinking beer and eating pizza they are learning good financial habits that are reasonable and sustainable and are not overly burdensome 
and you can always pay the loan off for them eventually. If, no, if they no, prove no, no, <laughs> if they prove no, themselves. you can't. <laughs> okay. It's a hard line. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be excited to see how this works with your family. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Famous last words. <laughs> right. uh, no, you're right. And of course, the, your parent, you can always be the backstop if they're struggling for whatever reason. They can't find a job. They, they graduate into a coronavirus economy. No fault of their own couldn't find a job in you know march through june of 2020 not their fault you can be the backstop then that's understandable and okay that's well that's all we have time for all right that's all we have time for tonight so uh we're going to be back in three weeks on tuesday september 14th at 6 p.m as usual remember in the meantime if you want to learn more about us Go to our website, wealthwayadvisors.com. Uh, for Alison DeBrill, I'm Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense. For its content.